protection, our justice system, that's our, our future, our experience, our security, our wisdom, our abilities. God said, I was, I'm going to take all of that from Israel. Why would God do that to his own people? Why would God do that? Because he wanted them to learn to depend solely on him. He wants us to have those things. He wants us to enjoy the fullness of life that he's given us to enjoy. It's that when we depend on the things that he's given us, instead of depending upon him, that we get in trouble. And God says, I'm going to start taking those things away, little by little, or maybe all at once. In fact, for Job, he, he took it all at once. So, we've looked at some ways that we can express uh, or rekindle our dependence upon God. We want God to know, God wants us to acknowledge our dependence upon Him. Well, how do we do that? Well, we've talked about, first of all, acknowledging our pride and independence from Him. We need to just confess that to Him and ask God to forgive us and cleanse us. We, secondly, need to keep our relationship with Him fresh, studying His Word, reading it, praying, talking to Him, keeping the relationship, just like you would with your spouse or with your children or with your friends. You keep it fresh. Keep your relationship with God fresh. That tells Him you love Him and that you're dependent upon Him. Seek His counsel and your guidance and your decisions daily. Ask God to meet your needs daily. Acknowledge that everything that He gives you, this is what we talked about last week, and give Him thanks for everything. Now today, I want us to talk about one more thing. How can we depend upon God? And lastly, we can cry out to God in times of distress. Has anybody ever gone through or going through a time of distress in your life? Time of distress? All of us. What do we do in those times of distress? Well, you've heard me joke and you've heard this old silly bumper sticker that you've read years ago that used to say, when all else fails, pray. You know, and how idiotic that bumper sticker is. I know whoever wrote it meant good, but they didn't think it through. Because if you're walking with the Lord, that's not the last thing you want to do. That's the first thing you want to do. When you're going through a time of heartache and distress, God wants us to run to Him. That's why He's there. Cry out to Him in times of stress, in times of anxiety. You see, we spoke of last week that there are things in this life that are going to cause us distress and anxiety. God knows that. This is not a perfect world. We messed that up back in the Garden of Eden. But there's coming a time when it's, we're going to be perfected. But this ain't heaven yet. We're going to have times of anxiety and distress, but the choice is up to us whether we stay there. He says, instead of being anxious, what does he say in Philippians 4, 6, and 7? Instead of being anxious, what? Pray. Pray. And thank God. Pray and thank God and trust God. And then what does he say will happen? He said, then the peace of God will flood your soul in a way that you won't even be able to understand it. Why won't you understand it? Because you thought, and I think, that I won't have peace until the situation's better. But somehow, in some way, when I cry out to God and I trust Him in the middle of the storm, that even though the storm's still raging, I still have peace. I can't understand that, but that's what happens. And so God wants us to cry out to Him in times of distress, just like a baby. A baby. How many of y'all raised babies before? <laughs> 
You know, there's nothing like a mama. And you know what I've learned in 29 years of marriage? A mama never stops being a mama. You can't get her off a of mama duty. I've tried. It don't work. And uh, because a mama is instinctively got her ear and her heart tuned to that kid. Now, daddies, we don't. We love them. We're going to provide for them. But if they cry in the middle of the night, my philosophy is they'll get over it. <laughs> Y'all know I'm a better dad than that. I'm just joking. But moms, uh uh-uh. Now, that may be my first response. But uh, mom, uh-uh, her first response is, what's wrong with my baby? Let me go see. That's how God responds. God put that in the heart of a mama. God made a mama like that. And that's how God is. When his children cry out, it, it produces something in him. Now, mama, she may panic a little bit. God's not panicked. But he hears the cries of his children and he rushes, just like a mom would in the middle of the night, rushes to aid them and to help them. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Now, I also think of another scripture that says the righteous may fall seven times, but the Lord picks him up. Now, seven times, seven, the number seven, of course, was a, was a number of perfection. And so what God is saying is, no matter how often a, one of my children fall, I am going to pick them up. And I want you to understand, God's not saying that he's going to keep you from trouble. When he says, I will deliver you out of trouble, he's not saying, I'm going to keep you from trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We have to accept that as a part of our lives. We don't want that part of our lives, but we need to accept it. It's when you don't accept it and it comes, that's when it bowls you over. Why is this happening to me? Because you're alive. Because you're breathing. Because you're human. Because you live in a fallen and broken world. That's why. God is saying that, yes, you're going to face troubles, and, I, and when you cry out to me, I will deliver you out of them. Now, he doesn't put a time frame on that. He may let you go a long period of time through that time of trouble, but he will bring you out. And though you fall, or maybe even fail, he said, I'll pick you up. I love Psalm 23. It's a favorite of many people, but you know, in the last couple, uh, few years ago, God really showed me that verse about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's several things in that verse that we miss. Yea, though I walk, what's the next word? Through. What does that promise you? The other side. Right? Through. He didn't say, yea, though I'm stuck in the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you have ever felt stuck in the valley? Come on now, don't be so spiritual. You've been there, you felt stuck in the valley, but you're not stuck. Some of you feel stuck today. You feel like you're stuck in the valley. You're not stuck. You're going through it. He says, yea, though I walk through. He told the disciples, he said, he, he, he got in the boat with him. He said, let's go to the other side. Well, what was between them and the other side? A storm. And when they got in the middle of the storm, what did they say to Jesus? Don't you even care that we're perishing? Now, they forgot what Jesus said. We're going to the other side. We're going through. 
So you see, even though Jesus has promised you heaven and eternal life, there are going to be some storms you've got to go through to get to the other side. You're going to go through. He wants us to cry out. The disciples did the right thing. They cried out to Jesus, Lord, don't you care? Now, that was, not a, that was a silly question. Of course he cared, but at least they were crying out to him. They knew that he was the one that could solve the problem. You see, sometimes we forget to cry out to the Lord and we cry out to everything else and everybody else. And God wants us to cry out to him. You remember the woman who, in the New Testament, the gospel, uh, one of the gospels, she had had, uh, I can't remember, and, and this is off, just dropped in my spirit, so I didn't look up this scripture. I don't remember if it's the woman who had the issue of blood or if it was the woman who was bent over uh, for so many years. But anyway, the, the, the text says she spent all she had on the physicians. Can I get a witness? Some of you feel that way, don't you? I've been to so many doctors. Um, she spent all she had on doctors. And I believe in doctors. I go to a doctor. When I'm sick, we're going to the doctor. Uh, but, but that's not my first recourse. I realize there's a great physician. There's somebody over the doctors. This woman spent all she had on the doctors, but when she saw Jesus come in, she heard of his greatness. She came to him, and, and she reached out and touched him. Or she asked the Lord to heal her. So you see, sometimes we forget to cry out to God in our distress. We try to fix it maybe on our own. Or we go to the normal routine or the normal route. And uh, God says, I want, I want you to learn to, to come to me first. Let me give you an example. In 1 Chronicles chapter 5, it'll be up on the screen, but if you're taking notes, it's 1 Chronicles 5, 18 to 20. Sons of Reuben the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 valiant men, men able to bear shield and sword, to shoot with the bow, and skillful in war who went to war. They made war with the Hagrites, Jeter, Naphish, and Nodab. Now here were some men, a lot of men, 44,000 760 valiant men, skilled in warfare. You think, wow, we can trust them to conquer anything. Let me finish this passage. They made war, and it says, and they were helped against them, and the Hagrites were delivered into their hand, and all who were with them, for or because they cried out to God in the battle. He heeded their prayer because they put their trust in him. In the midst of the battle, they cried out to God. And he delivered them. Why? Because they trusted in him. You see, a cry is a, is a plea to God, and it's an acknowledgement to God. Lord, I am depending on you. God, you've got to come through. If you don't come through, then I'm sunk. Cry out to God in distress, just like that little baby. They cry out in distress. Something's wrong. They're, they're gassy or they're messed up their britches or they're hungry or, or something's not right. And that mom responds instantly. And know that God hears you. You say, why do I have to cry out? Is God deaf? No, he's not. He's not deaf. But I think there's something about the audible cry, the audible plea that expresses your faith 
And it's telling everybody around you and, and even the devil who can't read your mind. It's telling you, telling everybody and yourself that I trust in God. I'm looking to God to help me in this. The Bible says in Psalm 146, 3 through 5, this is in the New Living Translation. He says, don't put your confidence in powerful people. There's no help for you there. Sometimes when we're in need or we have a problem, we look to the person who we think can meet that need. God says, don't. He said, when they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all of their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their, as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. I think of uh, my daily Bible reading now is in, has been in Second Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, and First and Second Kings, that's kind of where I'm at in the Old Testament. And so God's been really showing, teaching me uh, some of these lessons about depending upon Him. Like King Asa. And it's interesting, as you read through the, the kings and the chronicles of the kings, you realize that there are some kings who did what was right in the sight of God, and there were some kings who did what was evil in the sight of God. And I, I, something I can't wait to show you in a moment, but... Asa was one of those who did what was right in the sight of God. And uh, here's what it says about Asa as he faced a time of distress. Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, 300,000 strong, an army, who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000. So we have 300, 200, 300, 300 280,000, uh, that's, that's a lot of people, that's... 580,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. That ought to be enough, right? Then Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men. Listen, no matter how tough you are, there's always a problem tougher than you. No matter how strong you are, there's always a problem stronger than you. Doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank, there's always a need greater than what you can pay for. You just hadn't gotten there yet. They had a great army, 580,000 strong, but here comes an army of a million men. And 300 chariots on top of that. And he came to Merishah. So Asa went out against him. Listen, friends, when you face overwhelming odds, don't be afraid to face them don't run don't retreat face them but you face them with confidence in God and it says they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Zephthah at Merishah and Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said Lord it's nothing for you to help whether with many or with few or with those who have no power Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest or depend on you. And in your name we go out against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar. So the Ethiopians were overthrown, and they could not recover for the Lord, for they were broken before the Lord and His army, and they carried away very much spoil. So it was the Lord's army 
wasn't man's army. Asa cried out to God in a time of distress, and God heard him and responded. And one of my favorite stories in all the Old Testament is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And uh, it's the story of Jehoshaphat. That's a funny name. Bet you wouldn't name your kid Jehoshaphat, would you? But it's a very wonderful story. As uh, Let me relate it to you here. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared. So when you get bad news, you probably are like Jehoshaphat. You get afraid. Whatever that bad news may be. But it says he didn't stop there. It said he set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. In other words, he called the whole nation to pray. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? What is he doing? He's rehearsing God's past faithfulness. And see, when you face times of distress, that's what you and I ought to do is rehearse God's past faithfulness. It said, and they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, in this present situation, as you were faithful in the past to your people, now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O oh, our God, here's his plea, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that's coming against us, nor do we know what to do. You ever been there? You don't know what to do. You're facing a situation that you just don't know what to do. But here's what Jehoshaphat went on to say. But our eyes are upon you. Lord, we're looking to you. We're depending upon you to come through for us. We can't do this. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, and so on, everybody's son. And that whole verse, all those names we can't pronounce too good. And he said, listen, all of you Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours. Whose battle is it? It's the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. 
Tomorrow, go down against them. They had to go face the enemy. They will surely come up by thee. And he told them where exactly to face them. And he says, you will not need to fight in this battle, but position yourselves. Stand still, that is, gird up your faith. Stand in the strength of the Lord and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Look at verse 22. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people, and they were defeated. And look at verse 30. Then the whole realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. You see, God responds when his people depend upon him. You know, here's what I want you to understand too. You may think, what right have I to cry out to God? I'm not very faithful to him, especially lately. Maybe that's the way you feel. Why would God listen to me? I haven't been very faithful. In fact, I've been downright rebellious and disobedient, and I know it. Why would God listen to me? And that's what keeps a lot of God's children from crying out to Him and depending upon Him, is they don't feel worthy. Why should God anyway? I mean, none of us deserve it. Did Jehoshaphat deserve it? Did Asa deserve it any more than you or I deserve it? The Bible says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 47, verse 46 said, They came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of, son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have what? Mercy, mercy on me. What's mercy? It's withholding from you and me what we deserve. Here was a man who was in great distress and great need, but he recognized, I don't deserve to be even asking for your help, but I'm asking for your mercy. You see, why should God help us anyway? It's not because we deserve it, but it's because His mercy is great. His mercy is everlasting. It's new, the Bible says, every morning. You cannot exhaust the mercies of God. Sometimes I think I have, but you can't. And why should he help you? Because that's who he is. He's a merciful God. Why should he help you? Because his name is great, and it's his name that's on the line. You think about it. Who are you? I am a child of God. I am a, a friend of God. I belong to Jesus Christ. Now, what if God just lets you go hungry and God just lets you go on your own way and do your own thing and, and doesn't pay attention to you when you're in need? You see, it's, it's your, His name that's on the line. It's just like as if you're a parent. 
And your children, you don't care about them. You don't provide for them. You don't help them out when they're hurting. You're not there to help them out when they're in need. You just don't care. What does that say about you as a parent? That you're sorry. It's your name that you're ruining. And you would say, well, they don't, help. They don't deserve my help. Look at how they're behaving. Well, look at you, how you're behaving as a parent. You see, it's God's name that's on the line. You know, in Numbers chapter 14, God had every right to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They Remember, they, he got them right up to the brink of the promised land. They sent the 12 spies. They saw how great the promised land was, and, but they saw the giants, and they got scared. Oh, we can't do that. They're too big. And uh, God said, okay. So the next 40 years, they had to wander in the wilderness to every adult 20 years old and above died in the wilderness. And God said to Moses, he said, how long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me? With all the signs I performed among them. He said, I'm going to strike them with the pestilence and I'm going to disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Now God had every right to do that. I don't believe God was, I believe God was testing Moses though, not so much saying that's what he really wanted to do, but Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it. For by your might you brought these people up from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. You see, they have heard that you, Lord, are among these people. And that you, Lord, are seen face to face. And that your cloud stands above them. And that you go before them in the pillar of the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame... Your name will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which He swore to give them. That's why He killed them in the wilderness. So I pray, Moses said, Let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. But pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Why should the Lord hear your cry? It's not because you deserve it. It's not because I deserve it. It's because His mercy is great. It's because His name is great. And it's because, thirdly, you're His. You're His. You belong to Him. The Bible says in Romans 8, 15, the Spirit, you did not receive the spirit of a bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children 
of God. And if children were heirs, heirs of God, and heirs with Christ. He says in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know why God's going to help you when you cry out to him? Because you're his. You belong to Him. You're His child. That is, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've asked Him to forgive your sin and save you. You are a child of God. And when you cry, it's like hearing a baby to a mama's ears. He rushes to respond because you're His. You're His. And He loves you. Joshua's not here, but I'll use him as an example. This week his car broke down and so I spent most of the day helping him get it fixed. Not that we knew what we were doing, but we learned along the way. And no, I'm not a mechanic, so don't call me. YouTube is a wonderful thing. But anyway, we were able to get it fixed, but we had to make four trips to town to do so. And each time was a little bit more money. Each trip. And I knew how Joshua was feeling. Because he's a man. And I remember feeling like he felt when my daddy had to help me out. And I still to this day don't like asking my daddy for help. I guess that's a pride thing, guys. Well, my wife would say, I know it's a pride thing. But and he even made a comment the last trip to town. He said, Daddy, I could have paid for that. I said, Son, what you don't know is how many times your grandparents helped your mom and me out. And, they'd, and I said the same thing to them that you just told me. And they said, you just take care of your kids. That's how you can pay us back. And I said, the reason we're doing it, Joshua, is because you're ours. And we love you. Now the Bible says, if you being evil, he says, what dad, when his son asks for a fish, is going to give him a snake? And, and what dad, if his son asks for a loaf of bread, is going to give him a stone? Nobody. He said, if you then being evil, that is, with a sinful nature like mine, if, 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 if that's something I would do for my own children, how much more will your Father give to those who ask? No, you don't deserve it. But it's because of His great mercy because of His great name, and because you are His. And He's going to take care of His kids. So when you're in times of distress, depend upon Him by crying out to Him. Express your dependence upon Him and cry out to Him. And He hears you, and He will answer you. And you know, I, I, I give you a biblical example real quick, just one. I have ten, but I'll just keep numbering. I only have... I have two, but I'm just going to give you one because I know what time it is.
But listen, I, I read this this week. I told you I'm in Second Chronicles in chapter 33. Manasseh. Manasseh. Uh, was the son of Hezekiah, but Hezekiah was a good king. Did right inside Manasseh, his son, was an evil king. Did reversed everything Hezekiah, his father, had done. And, and rebuilt the altars to, to Baal and reestablished false worship. And it says in chapter 33 of Second Chronicles, verse 10, The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they would not listen. The Lord brought upon them the captains of the army of the land of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh with hooks bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Because of his sin, because of his rebellion against God, and leading the whole nation to rebel. But it says in verse 12, Now when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And he prayed to him, and he received the entreaty and heard his supplication, and brought him back to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. And after Manasseh built a wall around the city of David, he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord. And all the altars that he had built to false gods, he tore them down, and he cast them out of the city. He repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings. So what happened here, what we see about Manasseh, is here was a man who didn't deserve it. And God brought punishment upon him. In fact, the distress that you're in or that you face may be of your own making. And especially when you're facing something and you know you're going through the consequences of your own sin and wrong choices. You think, I could never ask God for help. I've put myself here. God's not going to get me out. Oh, yes, He will. If you're His, He can. If you'll ask, He will have mercy. His mercy's great. And hands, how many times has he gotten us out and rescued us? Even when we didn't ask. But God wants us to run to him and depend upon him. He doesn't want us to turn away from him. But even when we do, and we feel like we don't deserve it, if you'll cry out to him. Listen, if he did that for Manasseh, he'll do it for you. And it was because Manasseh humbled himself and repented that God brought him back. Over and over. I'm trying to conclude this, y'all. And, and, and I told you last week I, that we were going to look at Psalm 107 again. Over and over, those stories I shared with you last week. Psalm 107, verse 4. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them by the right way. Verse 10, those who sat in darkness and the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons because they rebelled against the words of God. They brought it on themselves because they despised the counsel of God. He brought them down. He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distresses. And there's two other places in that chapter. But God is saying to you and to me today, listen, folks, you may be in distress. You may be in the one that caused it, or it may have been circumstantial from outside of you, but it doesn't matter. I want you to depend upon me. I want you to look to me. I want you to cry out to me. I want you to ask me to deliver you. My heart is full of compassion. My heart is full of mercy. And if you will cry out to me and humble yourself and turn back to me, I will hear. I will forgive. I will restore. God loves you. And He wants you to depend upon His love 
and his mercy and his grace. Father, thank you for being such a wonderful father to us. You're so much better than any earthly father could ever be. The best father pales in comparison to your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy. We're dependent upon you for everything, Father. And God, yes, we struggle with guilt and our own sin. And when we get down because of the consequences of our own sin and we, get, we realize we've drifted from you, then, Lord, we feel guilty about coming back to you again. But, God, we have not exhausted your mercy. If we will humble ourselves and if we will cry out to you and turn back to you, then, God, you will be motivated by your nature of mercy, by your nature of grace, by your nature of love, and you'll rescue us. And Lord, even when it's our own fault. Lord, I know there's some people here today that have been struggling in that area. I don't know who they are. I know you know, because I've struggled in that area myself before. Lord, I know that there are probably some people here today that, that need to trust Jesus to be saved from their sin. Perhaps they think they've done so many terrible things and rejected you and your offer of salvation so often that you wouldn't take them, even if they asked. I pray that you'd bind and rebuke the devil, the father of lies who's lying to them, and help them to see and hear the truth this morning. That whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That whosoever will may come. And that they would reach out with their faith. Confessing their sin. And believing upon you. and What you did Lord Jesus on Calvary's cross. When you took the punishment and the full wrath of God for our sin upon yourself. And you rose from the dead conquering sin and Satan and death and hell. So, Father, move upon our hearts this morning to respond, not just to hear, not even just to agree, but to adjust our lives and the way we depend upon you and express our dependence upon you. Because, Lord, it's an act of faith. And it motivates you to act on our behalf much more quickly than us depending upon ourselves or other people. Help us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.